everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Coming in to week four of this series, going through the book of 1 John, you know, I think of what an honor it is to love and to nurture and to train our children in the way of the Lord. And when I think about just all of the things surrounding us, it's not even just a current issue, but from the the beginning of the fall, there has been this desire that the enemy has to circumvent our God-given call to train and to raise our children to be in relationship with God and to take that from us, to shape and mold and nurture them in the image of the world. And at times, because of this desire, because we love our kids and we want to raise them and we want to help them walk in things like identity and freedom and equality and peace and love, and we don't want to squelch their happiness, we see the, we see the world saying, this is what it looks like. We maybe have a concept or a general theme of what we think it looks like based on Scripture. And we can find ourselves in this uncertain, confusing space. And we see a a different, we see the same headlines defined in different ways. This is nothing that is new. In the book, and the epistle of 1 John, John is writing to the church because some in the church were dealing with this process of trying to fortify their faith because some who had been in the church were leaving and saying that, you know, we don't really need Jesus to accomplish certain things. We don't really need Christ. I mean, we can have our cake. We can eat our cake and have it too. And so I want to read the main portion of Scripture that we have today, but then I just want to remind us of a couple things is there is nothing like the real thing. This world will offer many a counterfeit, but there is only one who has been proven true. That is the claim that we make. He is holy, as we said before. That's what we want to solidify today. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 18. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's quite all right. We'll have it up on the screen for you. John is writing. He says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. 
he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your truth, that we had a real problem that required a real solution that you provided. God, I ask, Holy Spirit, I ask, in the time that I have to communicate your word, that you would reveal your truth and you would expose the lie, that you would wean us from our appetite of counterfeit, and that you would present to us the true living bread of life, that we can partake of it and be made whole. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gabby. Can we give Gabby a hand as she is walking off that generational seed of blessing? Can I just say, life can be expensive, right? One thing these parents have already become well acquainted with is that revelation. And as they multiply, you even become more acquainted with it. Whether it is the combination of inflation or innovation, new things, or just the pervasive epidemic of FOMO, our hard-earned dollars are being consumed right quick and in a hurry. As I have learned, not just being responsible just for myself or Kelly and I being in this together, there is also an exponential effect of that when you become to parent and these other humans live in your house and expect that what you have is theirs as well. Uh, I had a very funny interaction with my son Isaiah last week during our Father's Day lunch. We went to Joella's, and uh, one of the things as I am you know, he's 12 years old, and that can, like, freak me out a little bit because I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's, third, he's one year away from being a teenager and all the things that come from that. When I'm in those moments at a restaurant, the biggest lament I have is, dang, he can't order off the kids' menu no more. <laughs> ah. I mean, you really do. When you're trying to think about where to go for lunch or where to eat after church when you have a multiplication, come on, Josh Easton. I know you feel this, brother. Come on, Ben. It's like you start thinking through, like, okay, who's got the best kid's meal situation here? Who includes the drink, right? You know, where the, I mean, you start doing things like looking up special websites that let you know where kids eat free every day of the week. And so I'm having this conversation with my 12-year-old about the harsh realities of ordering for the grown people menu. And he's like, you know, he wanted to have this one thing. He's like, wait, Dad, so... You know, they get this. He's like, now, if I order this, does that come with a drink? And I'm like, if you got drink money. <laughs> He's like, but, Dad, if I order this, like, I, it doesn't come with mac and cheese? And I was like, I mean, if you got mac and cheese money. 
And then I just look at him like, do you? Because <laughs> I'm paying for you last time I checked. Now it was Father's Day, so I was like, okay, okay, have a drink. But that reality, when, when you're faced with the fact, man, stuff costs money. That creek. I'm going to try to avoid that. Stuff costs money. And whether you are paying for yourself or multiple selves, when you have to pay for things or you start counting the costs, you really start looking at the deals. You're looking for the coupons. You're looking for the buy one free. And you're looking for the generic brand. Come on, generic brand. Somebody in here. I know you got some frugal parents. You've been frugal. How many Aldi shoppers do we have in the building? Come on, Aldi's. Come on, somebody. How many Payless shoe store people? Come on, somebody. Don't be ashamed of your Payless shoes. Come on, your Air Buddies, your Shacks, your Starburys. Amen. It comes in all shapes and sizes, right? You know, generic brand, especially when you start going to the grocery store, you realize, you, start, you know, you see them next to each other, right? There's like the name brand, and then there's Kroger brand, or whatever it is. You know, well, you, you, you started to figure out, I remember... I would see the commercials of, like, the brand name cereals on Saturday morning. You watch Saturday morning cartoons, and they have all, like, the uh, honey, um, the uh, Cheerios, honey nut Cheerios. Of course, it has the B, the cartoon B to entice the children. Comes. And, uh, but it used to always trip me out because, I, you know, we would eat. And first of all, a lot of times, our cereal didn't have a box sometimes. Came in a bag, bottom shelf, Right? And there was no B, and it would say, you know, if it was Honey Nut Cheerios, it would be like, honey <laughs> You know, I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't say Cinnamon Toast Crunch, it would say Cinnamon Sugar Squares. <laughs> it was descriptive. You know, there was a difference. Do you know there are 72 different counterfeits of Dr. Pepper? You know that? 72. I started looking at this. You, you got Mr. Pibb. You got Dr. A+. Dr. Shasta. Dr. Thunder. Dr. Perky. Oh, Lord. Dr. Perky. Dr. B. You got Mr. Pibb. I said, apparently Mr. Pibb didn't go to grad school, so he missed out on the doctor. He said, no, we don't want to give you false credentials. 72 different flavors. All imposters. Clothes. I talk about the Payless, and, and when you think about the store in and of itself, it's like it's letting you know right up the, out, the, out the box, like, you're going to pay less. Why? Why? Because, you know, what they say is, you know, if you just don't need the brand name, you're paying for the name. So if you get rid of that, it just cuts the cost. It makes it a lot less expensive. I had this, you know, we, when, we had, when you got seven kids, you get creative with money. And, you know, you, we had a Payless shoe store that was right down the road from our house off of 21st in Delaware on 22nd in Meridian. There was a Payless, and you could walk over there. And I didn't mind. I, hey, we rock, we, I'd rock my Payless joints, my Goodwill stuff. We were homeschooled. So when you're around homeschool, you're just comparing yourself with other homeschoolers, right? You're like, I mean, I mean I'm not, not hating on the Amish, but you're like, hey, at least we're not dressing like that all the time, right? <laughs> So when you go to the homeschool co-op and, like, you don't have to wear wool pants and a shirt that your mom just made, you're like, man, we are balling. I don't care how many people wore this shirt before I got it at Goodwill, you know. But, hey, 
It's why we're working that Goodwill joint. But I went to eighth grade at this private Christian school, and it was the first time that I was around kids in a very intense and constant way where I could compare and see things. And if you think like the whole movement of like, what are those just happened? It's been happening for a long time. And so there was a phenomenon that I just happened to intersect with that exposed my insecurity and my desire to be liked by the masses. I had a brand new, crispy, amazing pair of Payless tennis shoes. At the same time, when the most current version of Air Max had yet to be released or seen. So I walk into gym class, rocking my clean sneaks, and this kid walks up and goes, dude, are those the new Air Max? Now, I kind of like that feeling of excitement and acceptance, and I didn't necessarily refute it, but I didn't say it wasn't. So I was kind of like, I mean, you know, you know. And they were like, I mean, oh, man, those are dope. Da, 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 da. Those are so clean. Oh, those are so crispy. And, man, I just lived in the bask of their deception and ignorance <laughs> for a couple weeks feeling fresh. Till a couple months later, the real thing came out. And it got exposed. Like, oh, I see you got those air buddies, John. I see. I see. You got those Air Jacks. You know how the, pay, how the generic shoes were. It's like if Adidas has three stripes, they have two. Right? If it's got a Nike swoosh, it's going to be like two swoosh. So we're double the victory. Right? Now, here's the funny thing, or the awkward or tragic thing, however you want to frame it. Is this same paradigm will find us when it comes to our faith. Each of us in this room have real challenges real desires, and real needs. And not all of those needs are a result of the fall. Do you know that you have some needs today that are real felt needs and desires because God placed them in you? God designed you to be connected and in fellowship with him. God designed you to walk with him and to have deep fellowship and covenant, not just mental awareness, but to be dependent and to be one only in him. However, we also have some other desires or or rather addictions that have taken place because as a result of sin, we were born addicted and born with an appetite for brokenness. Y'all hear me this morning. Now, what we try to do is because as a result of sin we were separated from him, is if we can't get what we want from him, in the way that we want it, we start looking for other things. We start looking for discount deals or generic forms of identity, generic forms of security, discount and generic forms of peace, discount and generic forms of love, discount and generic forms of equality because we find that life is expensive. We can't pay the price that is required. And so we settle for lesser things or generic forms. Can I tell you, generic tennis shoes or cereal or even Dr. Pepper might be all right, but there is no generic substitute 
for the restoration of your soul. When it comes to our salvation and redemption, the name means everything. There is no Jesus substitute. We look at 1 John and really what many of the people in the early church were facing is that Jesus, yes, he paid it all, but it comes at a price. What do I mean? Well, here's the first, the good news. One thing that I want us all to realize is that we, each and every one of us, had and have a real problem. It's not just, again, the desires, but the problem is that the enemy in the garden first tried and successfully tempted and deceived Adam and Eve into believing that they could have all of the things that only come through God without God. That they could create this utopia of bliss apart from the creator. Really the heartbeat, the central core thought and belief of secular humanism is that we in and of ourselves, in our goodness, in our intellect, if we could just work together we will eventually come to a place of nirvana or utopia. We can do it in ourselves. We can ascend in and of ourselves. And it's this mindset that tries to accomplish things that can only be accomplished through God without God that has led to mass destruction on multiple levels and ultimately sin entering into the world. We want the kingdom without a king. I'm thankful, though, that in spite of man being deceived, in spite of the great problem that we have, the result was that sin entered the earth, that we were all marked by it and separated from God. We were handed a debt that we could not pay. We were marked with the wages of sin. The scripture says that the wages of sin is death. The only way that this could be satisfied, the only way the price for our purchase to be redeemed and rescued from the clutches of sin, it could only be satisfied through the price of death. Again, life is expensive. But God so loved us. He so valued us that he sent his son Jesus to take our place and pay the full purchase price of Redemption. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that when I come before Jesus and I said, ah, okay, I know you, you die for my sins, but like how much is it for my sickness? I'm so glad he didn't look at me and go, you got sickness money? <laughs> God, I, man, I appreciate you forgiving my sins, but what about this addiction? So glad he didn't look at me. You got addiction money? I'm so thankful that as a loving father, he paid it all. I'm so thankful that Jesus, as a submitted son, fully God and fully man, didn't just settle for paying part of the bill and leaving us to pay the tip. But he followed and obeyed 
the father unto death. He satisfied it. I want you to know this morning that the gap between us and God as a result of sin has been fully paid solely by the blood of Jesus. Jesus satisfied our debt. Jesus satisfied all that was required to redeem and restore and to purchase, to fully redeem us to our original intent and position in him. He's paid that price. That price is not paid by you doing extra work, you giving extra volunteer hours, you going to X amount of Bible studies. Jesus paid it all. Amen? I also want to draw our attention to this. Jesus is holy. He's set apart. And in all the world religions, Jesus is the only one that deals with the issue of sin and takes it upon himself to solve and to pay that price. And so what John is reminding them is that the counterfeit is coming. We talk about the concept of antichrist. If you've read this scripture already, if you haven't, I want to encourage you to read through this on your own. When you read through the concept of the antichrist in the sense of of the end times, a lot of times we get these weird visions in our minds. I don't know how many left behind readers we have in here. The old left behind books where, you know, the, the Antichrist is Nikolai Carpathia. He can, comes from Eastern Europe and he probably has a weird, crazy accent. He's like, everybody follow me. I'm the Antichrist, <laughs> right? Everybody leave the Lord behind and trust me. I will give you what you want. We have these caricatures, whether it's through television and movies and Netflix shows, of what the Antichrist is like and what he's bringing, and we can almost smirk at it. And really what John is trying to communicate here is it's not just about a person. It's not about identifying who is the Antichrist, but being able to recognize what the spirit of Antichrist is. And really when you look at this, the whole concept of the Antichrist it's, not, it's very similar, and it's pretty, he's presenting it as it's not just against, but it's a fake. Many of you, those who claim to be followers of Jesus, you wouldn't necessarily ascribe or sign up for something that was anti-Jesus, but we settle for fake Jesus all the time. We do. We do. Not just you. I do it. I've been deceived. There's times when you, you want the real thing. You've seen the real thing. And in fact, I would even say you have to experience the real thing to be able to recognize the fake. Whenever you have people that actually are experts at identifying fake and counterfeit money, part of it is that they spend ridiculous amounts of time only handling the real thing. So that the moment they touch the counterfeit, they know it. 
They spend intense amount of times knowing the texture of the paper, the weight of the paper, the type of ink that is on it. Because in order to truly know the fake, you've got to know the real thing. What John is helping them and exhorting them in, and he says it actually at the beginning of chapter 2 of 1 John, is, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he says, you've got to know God. Not just have a mental assent, but how we know him is by obeying his word. In order to obey his word, we have to read his word. See, one of the general uh, statements when it comes to the pluralism or this moniker that all roads lead to God or even just kind of the whole concept of the coexist bumper sticker. One of the things that absolutely perplexes me is when that statement is made, is it almost is made without any consideration to the actual tenets of these different religions. Most, by far, almost... Most religions, when you start to look at them, you don't have to go deep. There are many, a lot of times what we think is that these religions are just different on very general things, but pretty much the similar on the core things. And what you'll find is it's actually the reverse. Is we get caught up because there might be some general beliefs that seem to be similar because we're all trying to answer some of the same questions. But when you actually go to the specifics, we are completely diametrically different. You can look at what the religions say about God in and of itself. Some that actually say there is no God. Or that there's multiple gods. And if you actually read this Bible and see the claims that Jesus made about himself and made about God and made about what we were called to, you would see very, very, very quickly that this is different. Are you with me this morning? If you know God, if you come to know the real thing, then you actually know, if I believe this, and I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and did what he said he would do, if I believe that in John 14, 6, that he truly is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father, that no one can be reconciled to God except through him, then that in and of itself should let me know there is one way. It's okay. Y'all don't have to clap. You can let it marinate. Let it marinate in your soul this morning. There's one way. There's one way. Now, this is where it gets interesting when we look at this. Why do we say that we go to counterfeits? We settle for generics. It's because... We recognize that the real thing, it costs. It costs something. One, when we see the real thing, it exposes the lie. It exposes that other things are fake. 
The good news is Jesus paid for our redemption. He paid for you to experience real love. He paid for you to experience true peace that passes all understanding. He paid for you to be able to walk in the fullness of his identity and his purpose in your life. He paid for it. But here's the deal. Not everybody will agree with that. And what it will cost you is many times it will cost you the praise or the approval of man. It will cost you to surrender your life and as it did for many in the early church, actually lay down your life. We are addicted to happiness in this, city, in this country. We are addicted to being liked. It's why you check Facebook and refresh it when you've posted something of your kid or your cat or your coffee. <laughs> so we want to know how many people saw the life I'm living. How many people approve of the projection of my world? It's also why many people who know the truth choose not to post it because they don't want to get into a fight or an argument with people who disagree. It's okay. It's true. You just get tired of it. You're like, I don't, I don't feel like getting in an argument. It will cost you. It, it will require that you actually surrender your life to Jesus. To receive him and to receive all that he's paid for, it requires that we receive him as both Savior and Lord, rescuer and king. What does that mean? He says what is true. And so everything in us that is not, we have to surrender. Let's be real for a second, y'all. When you give your life to Jesus and you surrender your life to Jesus, you do so still having parts of your life that are connected to and addicted and used to an appetite of the world. You come into relationship with Jesus, but you're at the beginning of the journey, and so as you walk with the Lord, there are areas in your life you actually, most of us, have spent our entire lives satisfying all of these things in counterfeit ways. And you acquire a taste for that. You acquire a taste for the fake. You know, it's like, when you think of like family reunions or family gatherings and, you know, the amount, when I think of like some of the side dishes that we would make in our meals with these, with these family gatherings, the amount of margarine and Velveeta and processed food that were in these sides are baffling. And you almost like, when that season comes up, you just kind of like turn a blind eye to it and be like, I know I'm going to eat, eat a lot of things that aren't necessarily real, but it sure tastes good and it tastes like mom used to make. And so we give it a pass. And we think about it like mom used to make because we developed an acquired taste for it. And yet when we taste the real thing, we're like, ooh, it's different. And we learn that we have to train ourselves to be weaned off the things of the world and the counterfeits and allow ourselves to be fed at the river of the word. 
to be fed by the leading of the Spirit. Because daily as we walk with him, the goal is that more and more we look more like him and less like the world. That our desires are his desires. And that we're not being lorded over our counterfeit appetites. However, just like the people in 1 John, what we find is not everybody agrees with that and aligns with it. And every desire that you want to hold on to and not surrender to Jesus, every area where God will call you to walk into truth, just like any cereal you can imagine, there is a bag on the bottom shelf that tastes kind of like it. Any addiction, any worldly desire, anything that you don't want to surrender to Jesus, there will be a people and a church that will tell you, See, the challenge that they were facing here is it wasn't just worldly pagan folk that were leaving the church and spreading a false doctrine. It was people that were in the church. It was people who at one time claimed Jesus, but now were denying him and saying, you know what, you can have these things and we just don't really need those trappings because folks are getting killed out here and I'm not trying to die. And yet, He's worthy. He's holy. The scripture is calling a people, and it calls us today, to one, remember the real thing and come to know the real thing. I'm convinced that many people in this room today, that you have grown up, Maybe in a religious setting, particularly if you grew up in the Midwest, even if you grew up on the East Coast under thick Catholicism, or in the South under the greasy grace, whatever you grew up in, many of us, we have grown with an acquired taste for a counterfeit image of Christ. God wants you to experience him in his truth, in his realness, in his authenticity. Some of you, you don't even know this God. All you've seen of God is what you've seen in movies or SNL sketches. And so you can't really tell him from anybody. All you have are just all these gathered bits and pieces. I want you to know that God is real, that he answered the problem. He's satisfied the debt, and he's made himself available to you in his word and by his spirit, and he wants you to get to know him. And so my invitation to you this morning, if you say, I don't really know him, or I feel like I've seen versions of him, I want to invite you to get to know him. I want to invite you to get a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, to download a Bible, I want to invite you to look in this scripture and to dig into 1 John, to dig into the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to invite you to get around of people in a community of faith who are more committed to being in right fellowship 
with God than being liked by man. I want to invite you to come to truly know him for yourself so that by his grace and mercy, you can recognize the counterfeit and cut it off. That you don't have to be content with living in that spiritual malaise of phoniness and fake. Because it will be tested. Your life will be tested. A few years back, I went to the Philippines for a conference. And one of the, my friends, one of the reasons, that, one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to go shopping. Because there were these in huge, ginormous malls of bootleg stuff. And anybody that knows, I hate haggling. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. On our honeymoon, like, I was, like, so afraid of going into markets and people telling me to buy stuff because I just would be like, oh, please stop talking to me. Here's the money. I don't know. I hate it. hate it. hate haggling. I hate all that stuff. So I get nervous. Like, I don't like, I don't like to go shopping except for, like, by myself online or just, like, hiding out with nobody to talk to me. And so I went with my friend, and my friend, she was ruthless. I mean, she, she knows all the fake stuff. She's exposing it. She knows how to negotiate. She has certain amount of bills in this pocket, certain amount of bills in this pocket, certain amount of bills in this purse. I mean, she's just working them. But one of the things she was telling me, she was looking for a Louis Vuitton bag. And, you know, looking for a real Louis Vuitton bag in a store like this is like looking for a good biscuit in a dump. And like sorting through all this stuff. But one of the things that she knew about being able to discern whether or not you had a real Louis Vuitton bag is that real Louis Vuitton bags are made to be fireproof. And so she would take this lighter. First of all, she took the lighter out. She started holding up the bags. I'm like, are you burning this place down? What are you doing? Crazy people? Like, let me know. I will leave. I'm not about this. I don't want a bag that much. But what she was saying is she was saying you could take a flame And if you waved it and held it, you could see because the quality of the bag would be exposed by the fire. And the reality is, we're not just talking about the fires of hell. All of us deal with fire every day. The quality of our relationship with God will be exposed by the fires of parenting, the fires of health. The fires of marriage, the fires of the fear of man and the approval of workers and peers. And when the fire comes, don't we want a fireproof faith? Don't, don't you want a God that actually isn't afraid of the fire but steps into the fire with you? And it's proven faithful, and true. God in his love reveals himself to us. God in his mercy exposes the counterfeit. But we need the courage in that moment to choose him and to choose him every day, to walk with him and let the exaltation, not just of our confession on a Sunday morning for 15 minutes, be you are holy, but the walk of our life follow that up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
Lord, you are good and you are true. God, you know every one of us in here. It's not just a handful. It's not just two or three who would have the courage to raise a hand or an eyebrow. It's every one of us in here. Regardless of whether, where we are in our journey with you, we're born with an appetite for the counterfeit. Some of us are further along in our journey. Some of us have come to know you in very, very real ways and had very real experiences. Some of us have come to know you in a beautiful and a powerful way, and you are shaping us. And yet, even those that have been walking with you the longest in fellowship and in surrender, we still have things in our lives that so easily we fall back into our old appetites. So easily we fall back into our old ways of making ourselves feel better about our situation. It's tested in the fires of uncertainty, of fear, of insecurity, of lack. Father, I know, even as John exhorted, he, he knew you guys have experienced the real thing. Holy Spirit is even revealing to you right now. I believe it right now. As your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed, I believe right now the Holy Spirit has already nudged you and whispered the things that you have become acquainted with or have fed off of that are counterfeits. You don't need me to go down the list up on this stage of all the things. You know. Now, it's not just the knowing. G.I. Joe cartoon used to say, knowing is half the battle. Having an awareness is only part. It's a big part. Admitting there's an issue, admitting there's a counterfeit, admitting there's a fake is a big part. But to actually choose truth, that therein lies the rub. And so, God, I'm asking right now that you would fill each and every person in this room with the courage to choose truth. Lord, that you would give every person in here the courage and the endurance to say yes to you and to reject the counterfeit. Not just today, but in an hour, in five hours, tomorrow morning, next week. Lord, help us to grow in our hunger for you. Help us to grow in our passion for you, and may our passion and hunger for you far outweigh our desire to be affirmed by the world. If you're here this morning and you say, I recognize that I have not known this Jesus, I do. <laughs> I have lived and, and been satisfied by counterfeits. And no matter how much I feed off of the counterfeit, I continue to be hungry. I continue to ache. And I know that I need this Jesus as both Lord and Savior. If that is your confession this morning, with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just lift your hand? Can you have the courage and the humility to lift your hand this morning? 
I see you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Just going to wait for a moment. I know the Holy Spirit is moving. I thank God for the people who have already courageously lifted your hand. I want to keep putting that out there. If you're here and you say, man, I've been satisfied with even a version of spirituality or a version of church, but I want the real thing in my life. Raise your hand right where you are. Hallelujah. Thank you. You can go ahead and put your hand down. If you did not raise your hand, and you're a believer, you're a son and daughter of the Lord, but you know there's a specific area in your life that you have not surrendered to the Lord, and you're, you don't want to be content with that counterfeit, you don't want to be content with maybe being mostly surrendered, but having this little stash on the side. You say, I want to give my all to you. I want, all, I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If that is your prayer and confession, would you lift your hands? Yes, holy. So I want the real deal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, you can go ahead and put your hand down. Father, you've seen the hands that have been raised to you. God, I thank you for those who have been courageous in recognizing, courageous and humble in acknowledging you and admitting our lack. Father, would you lead them? You see them. Holy Spirit, would you lead them to a place of surrender? Lord, would you lead them to a place of submission to you. Whether you raise your hand for the first or the latter, whether you've been following him for 50 years or five minutes, let's stand together. All of us stand together. I just want to pray this prayer over you. If you want to receive it, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I ask you in your mercy... Lord, I thank you that you have given us your truth. You didn't just give it to us in a word, but you gave the word as a person in Jesus. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to live the life that we should have lived, the perfect and blameless life, that he died the death that we should have died because of a, as a result of our sin. And he fully paid that debt, rising victoriously over sin, death, and the grave three days later. Proving that he was who he said he was. And offering forgiveness of sin and eternal life to all who would receive and believe. Father, I'm asking right now, Lord, that for those who have received you, who are ready and who are willing and who have made a decision to follow you as both Lord and Savior, King and Rescuer. God, would you give us all of you and help us to receive it all. Lord, would you expose and reveal to us, Lord God, the areas that we have not fully surrendered to you, God, and not in a moment today, but for the rest of our lives, give us the courage and the grace and the power to say yes to you and no to the phony, Lord God. 
Lord, would you help us to walk in our marriages and in our parenting and in our careers and in our relationships, God, in our loving and our forgiving and our sowing and our walking with you, Lord. Would you purify and would you refine our faith with the fire? Consume us, Lord. Let us not avoid the fire, but be consumed by it so that every worthless thing would be revealed and that what is true and right would remain. I pray your blessing and your grace and your mercy over all these people and thank you that because you love us, you pursue us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him praise? Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.